We are so excited to be back to continue abbreviating podcast content for you so that you can enjoy the best ideas in short formats and discover new hosts every single episode. This episode, we're going to be bringing you a brand new podcast called the Herd Tell Podcast from Andrew Donaldson. We had the privilege of working with Andrew to abbreviate not one, not two, but four episodes and we are about to jump into that where we will play a one minute abbreviation of each episode. And then Chris and I will dive in and try to extrapolate some nuggets of wisdom from that content. Did you know we have videos and not just videos of Tim and I talking? No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are videos of our abbreviated podcasts that have an immersive cinematic narrative. This is on YouTube. This is on Facebook. And this is on our website podcastsabbreviated.com. A lot of people we talk to do not know that we have these. And it actually is a very different way to experience these abbreviations because although it requires more attention because you can't do anything else while you're listening and viewing, it allows you to pay more attention to the specific messages, the narratives, and the points that are being made and allows you to get a little bit more out of it than just by listening. And one final announcement, Podcast Abbreviated has a new product, a video trailer. This video trailer takes the top four or five episodes of an entire podcast and abbreviates each episode into under 60 seconds. This allows viewers and listeners to get a taste of what to expect in the full podcast. It has a little bit of audio from the host, a little bit of audio from the guest, and gives you just enough to know what you're getting into. We do hope you check out this podcast called Heard Tell. It's a great podcast, and we're going to talk about it right now. But stop. Before you listen to this episode, go on YouTube.com, search Podcast Abbreviated, and you will find the Heard Tell podcast trailer that we are about to discuss. Go watch the video first because it will help you jump in with us as we discuss what it means for us and how we've interpreted the content. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you get notified when we drop our next episode. Hello, and welcome to Podcast Abbreviated, where we break down the best podcasts into short episodes so you can discover new hosts and new podcasts and simply get to the best stuff faster. Let's dive right into our first abbreviation about the lack of support for missing persons in a Native American community. As a writer, part of the story that we want to get into with you, the lines aren't that clean. And a lot of these missing person cases, you don't get those clean cut lines of good guy, bad guy, missing, gone, do you? When I was doing the investigation into this Crow tribe, I was focusing on the historical failures of the U.S. government, the policing in treating these missing and murdered people, especially in the fact of the Crow tribe, the family members were the ones that were going out and getting CCTV footage and piling it together and putting cases together and bringing cases to lawyers and police and saying, no, we like know what happened to our loved one. We have this footage. We've interviewed witnesses. And even in those cases, police were not taking them seriously and not even filing report. Chris, what a powerful one minute segment. I would love to hear what is your takeaway in 60 seconds from that episode? 
Yeah. So the Gabby Petito incident is kind of a timely thing. So if you're listening to this in the future, you may not know of this, but this is of a woman who was murdered in Utah, but she was an Instagram star. And so it took this viral effect where everybody was watching and there was all this news reporting about it. And the idea came up of, okay, well, why is this one person getting so much news and media attention? Yes, that's a horrific thing that happened, but there are a lot of people that die in this country every single day and you don't hear any coverage about them. And then specifically, when you look at something like the Crow Tribe, where they have a extremely high rate of missing persons in their communities, why isn't this being talked about? My thought went to this idea that certain groups do not receive the benefits of police, of our healthcare system, of our justice system, of even working with private companies. And I know that I'm an extremely privileged person, but I look at my future as working extremely hard to not fall off some cliff, some ledge that puts me in a situation where I don't have health care, where I am immediately suspicious that I'm guilty of something, where if I have a problem, no one's going to listen to me. And I know that if I lose my job for five months in a row, I have a high risk of falling into that position. And so there's this interesting class of people, the precarious class, that are constantly running on this treadmill to make sure that they stay in that area. But the real problem is that there is a huge group of people that have already fallen off and that our institutions are already not only just not working for, but working against in many situations. And I think that is the eureka moment that I had with this was how bad it is on an institutional level. There's something interesting, which I've been learning in my own life, and I think is validated by this episode, which is this truth that at the end of the day, even if the institutions are around and even if they're doing a good job you're still on your own fundamentally as a human being in this world. What are we? We're just evolved animals that have developed consciousness and have bounded together in what we call a society. And then we put our trust in these institutions. But no matter what we say, think, or do, those institutions are still made up of people like us. And at the end of the day, we cannot rely on the goodwill of an institution which has its own interests and incentives. We have to take care of ourselves and our family and our friends. And when I heard this abbreviation of an institution failing, not doing what it should have done, but people went after the mystery, they had to solve it, and then they had to stuff the evidence in the face of those who could actually make ultimate decisions and take ultimate corrective action. So for me, in my work, in my life, I just over and over and over and over again see these stories of people who want to achieve something and the system is not going to do it no matter how much you scream, cry, bang pots and pans until you can mobilize a group of people to work with you, to present the truth. And it's not easy. It could be better. I'm not saying, well, don't complain, you know, just bond together with your fellow right. man and woman, right? Like, that's not what I'm saying because it does suck. If it, It's disempowering. You feel helpless. But you just have to develop that skill, I think, as people. What does that take? How can we get 
results when the groups in charge of getting us results are not going to do it on their own. And that is an art and a science and one that I think this reminds me of. Yeah, it was there was a super depressing part of the full episode where the reporter who is investigating these missing members of the Crow tribe gets really busy or is actually working very hard to shop the article to different magazines and and journals and nobody's taking it, which is interesting. And so a long time goes by and she's not communicating with the Crow tribe. And so months go by and she reaches back out to the Crow tribe or her contact there. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, it's just been forever and I really haven't gotten anywhere. And the Crow Tribe member says, yeah, we're, we're used to that. That doesn't surprise us. That doesn't surprise me. And she was devastated because she felt like she was just another piece of this puzzle that wasn't working for them. And that they knew to their core was never going to work for them. And that is just so overwhelmingly depressing that my way of coping or my answer to that is the exact thing you just said, Tim, is is to find hope in the fact that, hey, even in this example where you've got maybe one of the most marginalized communities in our society, even they can figure it out and come together, do these interviews and actually solve one case. I mean, it seems like a minor victory because there's probably a lot of cases that they can't do that with. But Ultimately, I want to at least have as much autonomy as I can have, which there's a limits to it, but that's something I'm going to be working towards. Well, I think that was an awesome recap, and it even left a little bit of something for the viewers to go check out the full story. What do you say we move on to the next abbreviation? Now, let's listen to episode four, Abuse and Abusers with Jennifer Greenberg. Why is it there's always that burden from the outside placed on the victim or the survivor to try to rise up to that greater good when the dynamic should really be the other way around to protect them, should it not? Absolutely, yeah. There's a Bible verse. It talks about how they call evil good and good evil. So what abusers will try to do is they'll try to make their victim feel like they're the ones with the problem, that if they don't go along with this, then God's going to be upset with them. They're not a good person. You know, if they're really a good person, then they'll honor their father. And honoring your father means keeping all his secrets. And when I escaped domestic abuse, it really felt like I'd escaped a cult. Wow. What a powerful abbreviation. I mean, there is a lot that this abbreviation alludes to. It's a very serious and deep topic, and it is something that we all need to be aware of, which is how power corrupts. And the initial reaction a lot of people might have is to say, yeah, the systems are awful, abuse is terrible when people get into power. I think it's also important to recognize that nobody's immune from power getting to you. And we all have a responsibility to hear and look at these stories so that when we are in positions of power, we're cognizant of the natural proclivities we might have when this power gets to us. Uh, What about you, Chris? What was your impression of this one? What really frustrates me hearing an episode like this is that it seems to be ubiquitous. The fact that it doesn't seem like that there are large-scale communities 
that have a structure to them that creates a power dynamic that have escaped something like this, it makes me feel like it's not possible to create a sustained community that actually supports the members, supports the even the community that's outside of whoever attends that group and just benefits everyone involved where everyone is giving and participating and sacrificing together for some common purpose. Obviously, there's always the potential that it gets infected with something like sex abuse, <laughs> but it just seems to be happening so much that it seems unescapable. And that's very frustrating and depressing. So Tim, I know that you are actually a part of a number of groups that you have ta- spoken very highly of. So I, I'm wondering, have you found success or have you identified something in the communities that you're a part of that provide a salve for this type of problem occurring and popping up? Hmm. It's a good question. I think that it's always a risk. And it's always inherent in any culture or society or group. I think the best thing that we can do is be aware of that proclivity, call it out, name it, name the risk that is associated with putting people in power and putting people in charge of other people, and just be constantly aware of it. And I think if we're constantly engaged speaking about it and aware that this is possible, it can help. The other tough thing is oftentimes it happens in the dark. So you may be a part of a community that you think is pure and good and there's nothing going on, but the very nature of this is that it is hidden, generally speaking, and those things come out eventually. I don't want to be ignorant and say, oh yeah, (laughs) people in my community would never do anything like that. I mean, it's inherent and it's wild when you realize to the otherwise seemingly good people can succumb to really bad things almost universally. And, you know, I dream of a society that does not have these problems. And, you know, maybe one day, Chris, we'll get to live in that society. Yeah, I don't, I think what you said does not bode well for that. However, like you just mentioned, if the intentions going into building that community are for transparency, shining the light on these types of things, I think that's huge because I've found in my life, even just the things that I do that I try to put in the darkness are the things that come out sideways and are the things that manifest in your shadow, they get repressed and they don't go away. And what Carl Jung talks about is how when you see yourself reacting abnormally, so maybe extra aggressively, or when you see yourself getting triggered by other people's behavior, that's telling, this is what Carl Jung says, that's telling you that there's something inside of you that you're repressing. And so, for example, I'm not going to go too into my COVID views, but we were riding in a car with one of my best friends and he was saying something about what he was going to do with COVID, right? Vaccines, masks, whatever. And he had to preface it and he said, all right, don't get angry. And I was like, what the? Like, first, at first I was like, oh. Like, how dare him? Like, like, well, I would never get angry. And then I realized, oh, I definitely might get angry. And the (laughs) fact that he had to preface it, don't get angry, 
it made me sad for a second, but then it made me reflect. I'm like, oh, like whenever I've talked about these topics, I've been extra passionate and it may have boiled into anger and he's received that. And so he doesn't want that spilling out on him. It, you know, we're fr- even though we're friends and there's this mutual trust. And so we have that space that we can kind of go overbound sometimes. It allowed me to take a step back and say, why am I so triggered at some of these things that happen. And what that's doing, it's shining the light into my own psyche and soul. Once you do that, it evaporates, it evaporates. And so now when I get into these discussions, I'm way less heated just because it was exposed and it was identified to the light. And so on a corporate level, on a communal level, that's the exact thing we need to do is make sure, Hey, what are the things that we're getting all like super aggressed about? Uh, what are these things that we're going too far in terms of overreaction and let's take a look at those things or what are we repressing? What are we hiding inside ourselves? What are we trying to like, as just like in the video, the secrets, right? The secrets are something that we can never abide. And like you just mentioned, Tim, I want to make sure that the people that I love don't get exposed to this type of thing. I think one of the things that I've been trying to adopt is anytime you see something that is hidden, you either A, expose it immediately or just get out. Do you find it interesting at all that oftentimes the people who want the power most are the ones who should not have it? And then those <laughs> who are least, least want to be a leader, least want to have the power are often the best ones to wield it. And I wonder if there's something there about that. And it's important to pay attention to those signs when people are going to be in power over you. I think that's a great place to end. Join us next time where Tim and I break down two more fascinating episodes from the Herd Tell podcast. Until then.